Greetings, and welcome to the BrainWorks Podcast. I'm William Keller. And I'm Becca Bowers. If you're joining us for the first time, thanks so much for being here. We hope this is a safe and wonderful place where we can all engage in a conversation about our shared life together. Um, so, Becca, how are you, first of all? <laughs> I'm doing good. Good, good, good. Very excited, very nervous. You know, I feel like we had a good listening last time, which was our very intimate friends, and I'm so thankful for them. Shout out all the homies on Facebook and, and everywhere else where you've given us wonderful feedback and comments. Yes. Uh, and if you heard the first episode on body image, you know, uh, feel free to, to leave us a, a, a like or a subscribe if, you, if you're into that or uh, a constructive criticism. Please don't be too mean because I will cry. At oh my, my gosh. Yeah. We will just harp on that for too long. It'll be super embarrassing. So I don't, yeah, I don't think that would be very good. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll um, yeah we'll talk about it with each other and with our prospective you know helpers in our lives. <laughs> yeah, so me and my therapist please, will definitely talk about your mean comments if you leave any. So please don't leave them mean comments. But we do really appreciate any kind of feedback. Um, you know, one of the I told Will earlier one of the things that was really helpful was somebody gave us permission for the tangents, and man, that was a big deal yeah, because really... we will continue them. Mm-hmm on accident or on purpose, but still they're coming. Yeah. Um, so thanks for being okay with them. Yeah, for sure. We're going to talk about basically whatever we want. <laughs> it's um, our podcast. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, thanks for being here. And, uh, so let's, I think we should just dive right in to, on um, today's topic. Oh yeah. Anxiety. Anxiety. Um, which is so massive and such a weird, complicated thing. Yes. Um, you know, with my background in ministry and working with teenagers directly, I, I experienced some of the most anxious people yes. on the planet. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, and I, and you know, I, I feel for them because when I was their age, I did the same exact thing. I was mm-hmm. super nervous all the time about every little thing that I did. I second guessed every single thing everything. is under a microscope according to every teenager. Right. And, and I think part of that is because just the, it has something to do with the age of trying to figure yourself out. But I think it also mm-hmm. has to do a lot with, the way we're brought up and, and the things that we're taught are important that maybe aren't as important or things that we totally skip over in our yeah. development that then come up later. Um, but you know, anyway, um, so anxiety, um, Becca, what is anxiety? <laughs> what does that mean to you when somebody says that? Oh, what is anxiety? Um, so, uh, one of my friends that I follow on Instagram, uh, she is a really cool, therapist that does illustrations. Um, and one of my favorite definitions that she put was, uh, unbearable present fear projected into the Mm. future. So, uh, it's really short little snippet. Um, anxiety is huge, you know, much bigger than that definition, but the definition does say a lot. Um, I mean, uh, unbearable being kind of one of the main things is that for us, we talk about how much it is this uh it gives off this illusionary control um and so you know one of the things that you said earlier is that like it makes you feel like it is in the driver's seat um yeah i really appreciate that kind of language too because being in the driver's seat means that the person who's in the passenger seat can just go along for the ride Mm -hmm. you have no control you have no uh, autonomy in the situation of where you're going, where you're going to end up, um, you know, how the whole situation goes. I mean, think about how many times, you know, we all joke about that one friend who's a bad driver and they're like, yeah, but did you die? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, I didn't, but I had a miserable experience. Yeah. The whole thing was so bad. That's a big deal. 
having an unbearable experience is not fun. Right. So then having an unbearable experience projected into the future, something that's not happening, something that may not come, but instead it is because your anxiety is forcing it to be. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, exactly. My therapist um, says that um, anxiety is just a fancy word for fear, essentially. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really old evolutionary thing that we've had since the dawn of time, right? And the way he explained it to me was your anxiety works like this. When, you, when we were cavemen and we were having to hunt and search for food and we were being hunted by big animals like saber-toothed tigers, um, anxiety was extremely helpful because what it did was it gave us the time and energy necessary to either fight or get out of the situation. Mm -hmm. And as human consciousness has evolved, anxiety has not because it's such an old like prehistoric thing in your brain and so whenever you're going through situations whether it be in your relationships with your yourself or your parents or your significant others or your friends or whatever then you uh when you experience anxiety you still experience it the same way that you did yeah in in prehistory and so it's kind of, your anxiety is kind of dumb. It only gives you one response, which is mm -hmm. all of it at all one time. It's just like, here, yeah. here I am. Let's be scared of this. But the problem is, is that saber-toothed tigers don't exist anymore. And so your fight or flight response is triggered, but you don't necessarily need as much of it or any of it in the situations yeah. in which it is presenting itself. And so that was one of the things that was extremely beneficial for me in the beginning of my therapy journey was to realize that like maybe my responses and my reactions to what's happening in my life and in my world are too extreme, right? Yeah. Like sure, you're, and, you're, and we'll get to that, your anxiety is a signal or it's trying to tell you something, but maybe it's trying too hard or, or telling me something that is, is misinformed because yeah. it's, it doesn't have all the information yeah, too, right? Yeah. Um, and so that was another big deal was like, I felt like we talked about with the car illustration, I felt like the anxiety for in my life for a long time was the driver. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had no say or control over how I felt afraid of things or how I was gonna respond to things. And so it just kind of cornered me and made me feel trapped by it. But in reality, um, I learned through therapy and through a lot of time and just critical analysis of it that it only has the power that you give it, right? So yeah. like, and, and we'll touch on that a little bit further down, but um, yeah, so if you're if you experience anxiety, which I'm sure that you do at some point in your life, or if you haven't yet, you totally will because it's totally normal to yeah. experience it. Just understand that your anxiety can often and does often lie to you mm -hmm. um, and it tells you things are way scarier than they need to be or that things are awful when they maybe actually aren't um, and your anxiety can be fooled by different experiences and different things that you're yeah. going to draw on from your subconscious in your life mm -hmm. um, so yeah I mean for for me one of the most eye-opening things was that everybody on yeah, earth yes. has anxiety at some point in their life <clears throat> Yeah. And they battle with it at some point in their life. That's what, and, and Zach was like, yeah, everybody I've ever helped has always had an underlying mm -hmm. anxiety problem. Mm -hmm. And whether you call it disorder or whether it's, you know, something much more minor, you will, at some point in your life, I firmly believe that you'll deal with that. And, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but <laughs> I, I think that 
um, it, that's why it's so important that we talk about, you know, the ways it, it manifests itself. So, mm-hmm. um, that being said, uh, you're, we want to talk about what your anxiety looks like and all the different yeah. ways that it can, uh, present itself because it, for a lot of people, it can be physical stuff. For a lot of people, it can be internal stuff. For a lot mm-hmm. of people, it can be both. Uh, for me, it's definitely both. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and, and honestly, actually, for a lot of people, it ends up being both because as you as you become more and more self-aware, you start to you start to gain the ability to, um, to put things underneath that category yeah. and say, you know what, actually, maybe maybe this response is mm. uh, I, I don't just have an upset stomach. You know, I'm not just having this issue. My life is actually extremely stressful. I'm going through these major shifts. Um, or I'm, I've been going through these major shifts and I haven't ever addressed them. And so my pot is boiling and boiling over and I never took myself off the heat. So here I am about to boil over. So, uh, I mean, so, so sometimes people, people, I've had people who end up in therapy after going to multiple doctors, going to chiropractors, going to, uh, you know, different holistic avenues Mm. and, they come here and they're like, you know what? I've been going through all of this stuff and I haven't found any, any relief at all. But literally, I'm having so much pain throughout my body. And as we start to address their original traumas, uh, as we start to address and kind of work on some of their relationship uh, perspectives and maybe even goals, they start to experience less and less pain. Yeah. And, and I can't explain that, uh, because I don't have them in an MRI machine while that's happening. So I can't, I can't actually look at their brain chemistry and what's going on with that. But I can see through my notes that this person experiences less of these symptoms as they come in. And I mean, and that's another thing is that, uh, people often want to call panic attacks or anxiety attacks a diagnosis and it's not a diagnosis it's a symptom of what the issue is yeah, right and so you have to start to recognize what goes underneath this umbrella of anxiety like actually how much is underneath that there's so much more mm. under the umbrella than anybody gives it credit for yeah i mean because literally that definition is very small it's a couple of words sure. um, yeah. you know but there's so much to it um mm-hmm. and it's a mask for a lot of things too i mean so we've also talked about the different responses that people have because of anxiety. Um, so it also masks a lot of fear. It masks a lot of anger. And, uh, that's one of the ways that I address with people really quickly. What is your fear here? Like whenever they talk about, well, you know, I, I just noticed I felt extremely anxious. I'm first of all excited whenever somebody starts to give a name to Mm. something, Yeah. but there's so much more than one. like once you, name it that's whenever you can begin to tame it but you have to you have to name so much more than just i think i have anxiety yeah you know you right. can't you're not going to go anywhere with that kind of effort you have, you have to put more in it you have, you have to, to really pinpoint, cre- yeah, yeah what's yeah, going on yeah yeah, and, yeah yeah and that pinpoint you might have you it might be multiple things on the map that you're pinpointing and you have might have all these different things and mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out well, like how do they connect? Like that crazy always yeah. sunny meme where he yes. has the matrix of different things. Yes, yeah. you know, and he's got this wild look in his eyes. Yeah. It, it, and that might be how it feels too as you're even experiencing mm. healing. It might be like suddenly I it's just uncontrollable 
there's just going to be a brief period of time where it's all let loose. Um, and the hope is that it, it doesn't last long. And yeah. the hope actually for yeah. therapists is that you're let loose in the therapy room <laughs> yeah, right. so that you're contained in the therapy room and so that we can say, okay, you know what? We need to put a bow back on you. We need to put you back in the jar so that you don't leave this contained box of and a room. And go right back to And yeah. go outside into an uncontrollably large earth. Yeah, right. You know? I mean, think about like how major that is. So sometimes it, uh, because people are, are complex and, um, not all things are exactly right. So sometimes people do leave and they'll call me the next day and they're like, okay, I had a major anxiety attack last night. What was that about? And we'll talk through it and we'll figure out maybe what the trigger was. Um, and it didn't happen in therapy. Sometimes mm. it doesn't, uh, it's the hope is that it does happen in therapy yeah. or in some kind of healing space, you know, some kind sure, of space sure. where you can control it. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it doesn't get to be that way. And so, right. yeah, I mean, for me, like my anxiety always presents itself in a multitude of ways, but like, for instance, last year I was going through a pretty unhealthy relationship and, uh, there was a period of time in that relationship where I had chronic anxiety every day. Uh, and it was because it was trying to tell me that I should leave, yeah. but I didn't want to just give up on something I'd been working on. Right. So, but, but the, the ways it physically affected me because of my worry, right. It wasn't because I was sick or because I had anything wrong with me, but because I had such deep anguish and anxiety over, over this situation, it made me physically tired. Like I yeah. would sleep for hours yes. on end every day and I would take multiple naps throughout the day. I mean, like just to try to escape it for a little while. Um, it, I got crazy amounts of headaches all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I had short term memory loss. I felt mm -hmm. like I was actually going insane, which yes. they say is a symptom of severe anxiety attack is like you, you can, you feel like you might be snapping a little bit and you're not, but it's just your brain trying to kickstart yeah. you into action. Um, and it was all because it was psychosomatic. It was all because it was just how worried I was that and and because I was trying to live in that and not immediately address that, my anxiety was like, okay, well, now we have to touch on these different areas of your body just to get you to notice me. Like that's essentially yes. is what your anxiety is doing is saying, hey, 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 pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And so mm -hmm. if you don't, then it starts to use other facets of your life, mm -hmm. like your headaches or like your stomach pain, mm -hmm. or you, maybe you clench your jaw like I do. Like, yes. you know, when I'm, when I'm super nervous, you can tell because you can see my cheeks flaring out and I'm just mm -hmm. constantly biting down as hard as I can on my jaw. And it's, and I don't even notice that I'm doing it sometimes. It's just become such a subconscious thing for me. Um, but when I do notice, oh, Hey, like I'm, I'm clenching my jaw. What's going on? Why am I, or why is my, why is my hand balled up and mm -hmm. I can't uncurl my yes. fingers, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for, for, for me, it's, I, I noticed this whenever I was in, uh, Chicago in school and I was popping my wrist too much to where it started to cause like a, a, a like major, yeah. And so, and so if I just turned my hand in the slightest way, it would send this kind of like zing up to my elbow of pain mm. and uh it got to the point to where i had to wear of like a wrist brace and sometimes whenever i'd be driving home with uh my husband i would have to have him like hold on to my wow. wrist while i was driving with the other one because i wanted to pop it so badly because yeah. i was so anxious yeah. and i was like i just need you to hold on to me so that i won't pop it 
And he got he got a little nervous at some point because mm. I was like, you know, if I could, I would just replace my wrists with better wrists. <laughs> and he was like, that sounds a little bit um, like you want to harm yourself. And I was like, no, 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 it's not about harm. It's that like I'm in so much pain that I just want it to be totally yeah. gone. Right. Which I totally understood where he was coming from. Um, but then there was also this, uh, you know, major stigma that I shouldn't be going through any kind of stress because I'm a therapist. And so I was studying to be a therapist and, yeah, you know, right. I was trying. And so there's also that judgmental part of you where you're like, why am I, you know, why am I so stressed? Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was, I mean, there was just so much going on at the time and, and I was just holding on to it in all these kind of bodily ways and never giving myself room to actually address it. Mm. Um, and but once I started to address it, things started to release and things started to get better. But I couldn't do anything about it until I actually addressed it. Like until I really said, okay, I actually am struggling um, or you know, gave some kind of truth to it. But for me, it, it took like a lot of radical shifts. Mm. So, so um, you've been doing a lot of interesting research on this subject actually about how there are certain extremes that can happen through the physical manifestations of stress and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were telling me a lot about Sean Brock. Yes. So let's, yeah, talk, about, and, let's talk about Sean okay, Brock. Okay. So, um, and that actually didn't even result from me doing research. So when, whenever we started, you know, talking about these are the podcasts that we're going to do, I of course got excited and have some free time and said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look all this stuff up. So, <laughs> I mean, I see it in my practice a lot. Uh, I see, I see it in uh, the grocery store. I see it everywhere. But the other day, Sam and I were watching Chef's Table, which you know, shout out if, Chef's Table. Yeah, shout out Chef's Table. If anybody does not watch Chef's Table, it's so good. Yeah. Um. Uh, but I I love it because it there's so much more to the food. Um, you know, and so like for, for those of us with eating disorders, it's not just about the food Mm -hmm. that's on chef's table. It's about the story. It's about Mm -hmm. the care. So it it kind Mm -hmm. of connects to what I had said in body image about like this conscious eating. Um, they really touch on that, uh, for a lot of chefs, they talk about the conscious effort of food and eating and of sustainability. So that's why I also really appreciate it. Um, because it's not just a focus of food, which I love, but it's also really helpful because there's so much more. But anyway, so in season six, there is a chef called uh, named Sean Brock, and he used to live in North Carolina. He lives in Nashville now. I looked him up recently. Um, but what the tag for the episode was, you know, Sean Brock, whatever, whatever, famous guy, uh, loves cooking so much it nearly killed him. Yeah, and so right. for, <laughs> for my husband, he was like, oh, we got to watch that one. He doesn't watch it, but he was like, I got to know what nearly killed him. So we're watching it and it doesn't touch, um, on the episode until way deep in the episode because that's not his story. Um, it's so much, there's so much more about his story, but he suffers from a neurological disorder that was triggered by stress called myasthenia, myasthenia gravis. And, uh, that's a big couple words right there. Yes. Uh, so it, it started off with him. Um, he, he did, they don't go too deep into it, so I don't know all of his symptoms. Um, but it started off with him uh, having droopy eyelids. And uh, whenever you look it up online, that's one of the major first signs is that you have droopy eyelids. So 
uh, he started having surgeries to keep his eyelids open. Wow. Um, and so he, he had multiple rounds of surgeries. Mm. He went to Mayo Clinic, and that's whenever somebody diagnosed him with it. Wow. And they said the only way that you can now deal with this is by dealing with your stress. And now, I mean, there, there might be more to it because, again, it's not my story. I don't know everything. Sure. But from what he told us on the episode, that's what they told him at Mayo Clinic. And so he had to have this radical shift in his daily life. Now, beforehand, it was very obvious whenever he was talking about everything that he was doing prior to the surgeries. He worked at four different restaurants every week. Um, mm. I think owned two of the four, maybe three of the four, and uh, was also an integral part of you know uh, creating these uh these really old like rice crops back in North Carolina. He did a lot of stuff about sustainability and he was growing his own stuff. I mean, like dude wow. had yeah. a lot going on. Yeah. And so I saw it and was like, that guy is definitely suffering from anxiety or <laughs> from what they were showing and yeah. what he was talking about was definitely suffering from anxiety. Um, and then it came out that he did. And I was like, I freaking knew it. And so, <laughs> I mean, so that was part of it, but so much more about that this thing that people just call stress, you know, there, there are generations and there are people that say, ah, you know, like anxiety is just a fancy word for stress. Yeah. Oh man, there's so much more to it. It, it is the unbearable word is a big thing to pay attention to. Unbearable does not mean, man, I'm going to grit my teeth and suck it up. That yeah. it's not what unbearable uh, can can be categorized with. Unbearable is I cannot take this. I cannot deal with this. Yeah, yeah. But because anxiety is what it is, it's part of your brain. It's part of your chemistry. You do take it. You do own it, and it sucks. So yes, it, it causes. <laughs> <laughs> and it causes all these other issues. Now, I mean, uh, now this one thing is not the only one. There are so many documented cases um, throughout. Uh, all different uh, forms of psychotherapy, um, uh, psychoanalysis through uh, you know people who have undergone multiple uh, exploratory surgeries uh, mm. to try to figure out yeah. what kind of pain right. they are going through, and it's just it's just a psychosomatic pain. That's a big deal, and and it just sounds wild at first when whenever somebody tells you, well, you know, I mean, my symptoms were just psychosomatic. Okay, so my brain was the only thing that was creating the issues. Part of it is, wow, that's wild. The other part of it is, no, duh. Like, yeah, your brain is, your brain's really important. Mm -hmm. um, and so when, whenever we don't take care of it, whenever we don't pay attention to it, and whenever we don't create a culture of wellness around us mm. it's going to scream at you yeah and it's going to tell you what yeah. the problem is yeah um whether you fully accept that as the issue or not it's there mm. um and so i mean for everybody you know your your pain is not just psychosomatic but it oh, is right. but for a lot of people it is yeah and that's what's really wild to me is that while we were talking about while we were doing some of this research uh there there just a lot of times that people have gone through that. And I mean, Sean Brock is a, is a really uh, famous and open case about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, quite literally it would have caused multiple other issues throughout his body to shut down and it would have eventually, it, or it can eventually affect your swallowing, which means that you're not going to be able to control um, your swallowing or your breathing. And so that's talk about give you even more anxiety, right? It's like feeling like you're drowning all the time. Yes. 
That's crazy. Yeah. So, 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 so for him, he had to drastically change his lifestyle and he had to say, okay, you know what? I have really have to, for now he does talk about this in the episode, but he, for a little bit, he went into, um, this major regression and yeah. he, uh, he went on major binges of bourbon and other forms of alcohol and just shut himself out entirely until, um, some very important people in his life showed up on his doorstep and said, something has to change. And he knew it too. And he said, immediately I sat down with them and they, and I said, you guys are welcome to say what you want to say, but I'm ready. You can check mm. me in. You don't have to read anything <laughs> because he just knew Yeah. for a while. He thought, he thought this sucks. This thing's going to kill me. And as soon as those people showed up on his doorstep, he wow. said, no, it's not going to kill me. Yeah. I'm going to do my absolute best to not die from this. Mm. Um, which that's a very extreme case, but y'all, other people also have those experiences of, I am going to die. Um, you know, because uh, anxiety is part of your brain chemistry that is really good at lying. So there's also that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so for me, whenever I'm experiencing anxiety, because I want to get rid of it so quickly too, because it's so uncomfortable and unbearable, which mm -hmm. is just the perfect word for it. But because it's so uncomfortable, um, it does take me to those extremes and lie to me and says, oh, this is the end of whatever. This is, you can't, you can't live in the same situation with relationship, this. Relationship, yeah. job, whatever. whatever it is. Like mm -hmm. it just immediately wants to pull the ripcord and just get rid of everything mm -hmm. and dump it all out. And I had to learn over time that that's not true. Mm -hmm. But because it's so loud and because it sounds like your voice in the moment, it makes sense and you're like, oh yeah, I should probably just run or get away, blah, 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 blah. Or, or, or I should just fight and, and shove this down and not address it, right? Um, but then you get into this weird sort of middle ground where you've done a lot of that for a long time and you're really, really, really tired. And you sort of just kind of accept what is. Yeah. And that's not great either because now you've lost this sort of innate survivability, right? Which is what anxiety is trying to tap into. And instead you've given it the other response, which is just acceptance of your current situation. Mm -hmm. And if that's where you are, first of all, let me just stop and just say, if that's where you are, if, if you're dealing with, if you're in the regression part of the Sean story where you're just pounding alcohol every night just to get rid of your pain, like you're not alone in that. I've definitely had problems with uh, self-medicating in, in, in different situations just to try to, to escape my pain, but also just know that that's not the end of that story. And it doesn't yeah. have to be the final period at the end of that sentence. Like, um, because what can seem like the end of your world could just be the beginning of the next phase yeah, of your life. Yeah. Of the next phase. Yeah. And that, <clears throat> that one sort of guiding principle is kind of what helped carry me through is like, this is not the end of the story. This is just maybe the end of a chapter or maybe it's not the end of anything. It's just a, a different way of seeing the world yeah. now. Um, and so it, any sort of way that you can inject hope back into an anxious situation can also shut anxiety up. Right. We talk a lot about mm -hmm. different ways to combat that. And we'll talk about that more towards the end. But like another thing that is like, if I can constantly just give myself a little dose of hope mm -hmm. in that, it helps me yeah. sort of calm way back down. So 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, that, that's pretty common for people to experience is that they, uh, especially whenever people come to therapy and talk about their experiences with anxiety, they say, well, you know, I mean, it just sounds so trivial now that I'm talking about it now, because I'm talking about it, you know, maybe this happened a week ago or this hasn't happened for a few days. And so now that I'm in a better headspace, I think, ah, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it's because of that different headspace that you're able to have critical thoughts. Mm-hmm. So like one of the things that it will literally talk through a couple of questions later is critical thinking is extremely important. Combating um, the negativity with something that says, uh, I'm not constantly fighting for pure positivity because mm-hmm. we have said before, mm-hmm. the world is not pure positivity and you're not gonna find all of that everywhere. So we're not gonna build you up to be disappointed. But the world also has Um, other avenues. So if you find yourself in just a loop, you know, like that's another thing that you had called it earlier. If you find yourself in a loop of negativity, break that loop somehow. Yeah. Right. Um, with the smallest form of gratitude, not, I am grateful for people. I'm not grateful for all these things or, uh, I'm not asking you to be idealizing people, things, places in your life. I am grateful for the fact that I can experience the smell of hot chocolate the taste of different you know brands of yeah. hot chocolate like the texture that goes on your tongue or you know, certain kinds are really thick and it gets attached to the roof of your mouth like sensory yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. memory sensory things are the thing that shocks you back into being less anxious so that you can then um, give it more critical thought and that critical thought is what helps you move from the passenger seat to the driver's seat and say, you know what, anxiety, like you're here, you're welcome to be here. Uh, like one of the things I said earlier was you're, you've already crashed my wedding. So, you yeah. know, I'm, you know, you're here. Um, that's fine. You already ate a piece of the cake. I'm not mad, but like we get it. You're a wedding crasher. You're here. Um, so we're just going to ask that you stop stealing the show, you know, like stop causing such a ruckus, but you're already here anxiety. So I'm just going to accept it but I'm not going to let you be the driver mm. anymore. Mm. I'm now going to take control. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you are what you are, you're still going to be here. I literally can't kick you out of this car yet. Right. But I will one day. That's so true. That's so true. So next week is Christmas. <laughs> it is. And in that we, create this time in especially in the west and in our nation right where christmas is all about giving and caring and all these like lovey-dovey wonderful and everybody like you see all the christmas movies and everybody's sweet and magical and Mm -hmm. perfect and but the truth is is that the holidays can also bring on a lot of stress it is so stressful and a lot of that has to do with familial like family relationships but Mm -hmm. it can also just be different memories that are triggered due to your holidays or whatever it is, like it's such a, a momentous and big time of the year that it's bound to bring negative baggage along with all the yeah. other stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and so I know for me, like I get stressed out easily whenever um, I have to go see my extended family. Yeah. Um, or whenever they're, more, moreover, whenever they're coming to us because I still live with my parents currently and God bless my mother's soul, but she struggles sometimes whenever her mom comes into town um, and it can affect her behavior. And it be, mm-hmm. and, and so with her, it comes out in like massive amounts of cleaning and like extremely 
detail-oriented type of tasks and up until yes. the very moment that she arrives, yes. right? Um, and I don't personally operate that way, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is extremely tense for me because then my mom ends up from time to time turning that towards the rest of the people in her life, yes. right? And so that can be sort of like a, a, a tense. So her, yeah, her anxiety is the mask of anger um, or yes. you know, the frustration. And she's lashing out in that way. Yeah. And, um, but, but also not owning it. And so a lot of this is, we'll also cover this whenever we talk about like our parental relationships, um, especially between uh, mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, and I mean, the, you know, the cross of the two of those as well. But mm. particularly with mothers and daughters, there's also a lot of issues that sure. go on with this, you know, how am I going to be the ideal woman, the ideal wife, um, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is, it just keeps going and going and going for generations um, until one woman breaks the wheel and says, I'm sorry, I went through this, uh, within my generation. I don't want you to also be that way. Mm. Um, and so it's really difficult, but that, I mean, that that's more towards like the female experience. Um, and I'm sure that men go through it as well, but because I'm not a man, I don't know. Um, yeah. it, from personal experience, I just see it from a therapist's perspective. Yeah. Um, and from like a wife's perspective, but like, I do see it. Um, but there's, anxiety is literally also passed down. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we see a lot of things from like a biopsycho, uh, social perspective. Um, for me, and whenever we were studying that in school, that seemed to be like the healthiest perspective because it was very inclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it just continued, uh, the train of thought within every aspect. So some people, um, it is just the way that their brain chemistry is and, uh, their parents and the people around them, their community are very supportive and they work against a lot of stuff, but the way that their brain is, uh, is, is wired, uh, for some reason it created, it creates this sense that they always have some kind of anxiety and their community is really good and the people around them are really great and their family is really great at helping them through that and combat it. And they do a lot of really good stuff, but it's just, uh, you know, what's happening, happening neurologically. Mm. Um, but for, for the Christmas time, uh, in particular, the holiday time in particular, yeah. you know, we're just speaking to it from a, from a Christmas point of view. Cause that's what we celebrate and what we go through. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I see it even with people who just have family gatherings just in general, you know, because they have something that happened. Um, uh, and I mean, there's so much to say about other cultures and, and the way that other like genders operate within those different kinds of, uh, of celebrations throughout life. But yeah. for us, this holiday season is coming up people are going to be extremely anxious and are they already are they yeah. have been yeah. since you know uh probably even october yeah um and uh, one of the worst i was mm-hmm. gonna say no, one of the worst points of anxiety for me around especially christmas and other like holiday times is always the gift giving aspect of it because what should be this like innocent innocuous sort of thing where we just express our care and love mm-hmm. for other people through through physical gift we put we earmark so many like different unspoken rules on what you're allowed to give people or 
the time frame in which you're allowed to give people something or how much it has to cost for just how much it shouldn't cost. Right. Yeah. And all of these different things go into it. And now it's become this giant matrix of, okay, am I making the right decision for this person? Are they going to like what I actually have to give them? Are they going to use what I actually have to give them? Does this even matter? Um, and, and so like one of the things that I always thought would be interesting, uh, for, especially for Christmas is if one year my family and my friends, we just decided not to give each other gifts. Mm-hmm. and decided to give each other the gift of our time rather yeah. than uh, something physical or monetary because it's always this like added thing of like either I have to spend extra money that I don't have or you're not going to appreciate the gift that yeah. I can't afford or whatever else, you know, um, or, yeah. you, or you don't like the gift that I want to give you, which is like money, right? Because that's really the easiest thing. It's just like, uh, I don't know what to get you, so here's some money, go yeah. buy what you want. And, and I get that that's like, to some people that's not as personal. And But, you know, for some for some of us, like I would love the gift of money. Yeah. <laughs> like I would, I would gladly take paying my <laughs> bills as a Christmas gift because to me, you're giving me yeah. the gift of peace, right? Yes. Of, oh of like, yeah. of, of not uh, having yeah, to worry about yeah, it for comfort. at least this time, this time period. But people don't see it that way. And so then it creates this big web of like, oh, I have to buy this person like a toaster when really I don't want to buy them a toaster. Mm-hmm. I would rather just give them money or a gift card or just hang out. And mm-hmm. so now there's all of this yeah. like weird stuff going yeah. on, you know? Yeah. I mean, and so for, for, for again, for those of us like with an eating disorder, it is so much more also about oh, gosh. Yeah. the food that's going to be there. Um, uh, food is an enemy or food is, you know, like uh, the love of my life. Like there's so much <laughs> yeah. about, oh, it's so complicated. Um, uh, somebody that I follow on Instagram, uh, she used to work at BuzzFeed and she's very open about her food journey. Um, and food freedom is something that is really important to her. And, and she talks about, she just recently opened up about how food used Mm. to be the enemy. Mm. So if I eat X, Y, and Z things the next day, I have to work those things off because they're bad for me. Um, and even people I've had people in my life tell me, don't forget food is the enemy, Becca. Food's not the enemy. It's, it's the way that. I idealize food. It's the way that I connect with it. It's, it's your the way relationship that, to yeah, food it's that my is relationship to it. Um, and truthfully, I mean, like for you, you really love to hang out with people. For other people, the gift of time is, oh no, 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 no. I I need to only be here for thirty minutes and then I'm out. Right. Um, I mean, I have I have a, a close family member who's like that, and he does not like to be around family that often. And we try really sure. hard to get him to come over because mm-hmm. we think that it would be good for him. But for him, he's like, no, no, I'm good. Um, and, and it's hard to accept that as his truth because we really struggle with, is that actually truth or is that him isolating? And if it is him isolating, how good is that isolation? Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's just this whole... So there's stress now for both of yes. you because he or she doesn't want to be in that situation and you want that person to be in this situation. Yeah. And so now there's this inherent tension because you don't understand why yeah. they don't want to spend time. Or, or you, it's, it's harder yeah. to accept that their yes. truth is I need more me time or I need more space mm-hmm. to, to check in with myself, right? Yeah, I have, I have sim- oh, yeah. similar family members who mm-hmm. can only be at functions for yeah. 
a little while. Yeah, and then for, they have for to go. a little while. And so, I mean, and there, there's stuff about, uh, you know, comparison anxiety um, is another really big one. And, uh, you know, working oh through. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> why aren't you married yet? Why yeah. don't you have oh, kids yet? Why, why don't you have children yet? Um, man, like what right after Sam, right after Sam and I got married, people were like, all right, you ready to go and, you know, make a baby? And I was like, I am not ready to make a baby. So also, <laughs> first of all, please don't call it that. Yeah, that's weird. And second of all, <laughs> no. Uh, we, ju- we literally just said I do's. That, yeah. That just happened yeah. an hour ago. Um, and, and you know, e- even if they were saying it, like, you know, with good intentions, it still unconsciously gave me, put too much pressure onto me. Yeah. And then freaked my newlywed husband out uh, quite a bit yeah um you know it's so it's very very complicated uh what we go through and there and there's there's also stuff to do with people's careers um you know with people's uh schooling you know oh well your cousin just finished nursing school you know how come you haven't gone back to school like there's i very recently heard somebody in therapy talking about okay i'm really stressed because i know next week i'm going to be compared to these cousins and they listed the jobs that all their cousins do and the only the only thing that i could do was to have them list out with me okay well what do you like about your job Mm. what what ways does your job bring you joy yeah and help them see that truthfully your cousins didn't go finish their medical degree they didn't go to law school because they said haha i have to beat my cousin in this you know competition yeah they were just going because they were doing something that they felt passion for yeah they made a decision about their career and and what i'm hearing is you did the same thing because you just told Mm. me the reasons why you love your job are these reasons Mm. so what i'm hearing is that you also love your job yeah so i but it's it's very sure i did that when I was calm, when there was no other people around, when I wasn't <laughs> hot, you know, in an uncomfortable sweater because yeah. we had pictures to take and I have too much lipstick on. There's there's all this other stuff that goes on too than with Christmas, um, yeah. you know, with family time, mm. with holiday times. And so I could do that in a really controlled way. But also that was that was a space for them to practice that. And so this is the time to practice, mm. you know, it, be it the week before or a year ahead of time. If you notice this year, I don't like what happened at (laughs) at my holiday function this year. Okay. Pay it. Remember that as painful as it will be to say I had a difficult time. Remember that and practice it, um, uh, practice ways for your experience to be healthy so that next year you can enjoy more family time in some way you don't i mean then or maybe it's the realization don't that you don't have time. to be there right yes <laughs> both of us were there <laughs> that yeah. the freedom is i didn't enjoy this enough to not come back and that that could be the healthy move for you yeah. right because you can't as much as we can work on our own anxieties and problems we can't obviously control yeah. our family members and and i understand that so if you're in a if you're in an unhealthy situation due to other people's choices leave if you want. There's yeah. no judgment there. Um, yeah. So, so, so let, let's also talk about, um, uh, you know, protecting those kind of boundaries, okay. uh, um, for, 
what's really important is to recognize, uh, how did you put it earlier that, so whenever you have a realization that, you know what, I, I don't like what's happening. I need more me time. Mm -hmm. Then at some point you'll have to set up a boundary and now boundaries can be fluid and they should be, they don't have to be this major wall that you're never allowed to knock down, um, or that someone else is never allowed to encroach upon. But it is good to have a boundary to say, as soon as someone encroaches, you have that line in the sand and you say, actually, I put that line in the sand because that's my personal space. You know, So I'd really appreciate if you didn't cross the line um, or if you didn't climb over the wall because I need this space between you and I for a little while. Now, maybe in a little bit, I'll build a mm -hmm. gate and you can come mm -hmm. through the gate, mm -hmm. but you may only come through the gate. You can't just climb over the walls, that kind of right. thing. Um, and I mean, like I've, I've had a client a couple of months ago who didn't go to family function for Thanksgiving and that was the first time they were not going to a family function for Thanksgiving. They were going with friends and it was a really big deal because they made that decision. They were really excited about it, but family members were, well, how come you're not coming to our thing, but you're doing Thanksgiving with your friends. And they had to be really honest that they had... And everyone in the family knew they do not enjoy the family Thanksgiving. It's been obvious. Yeah. And everyone has always known. But still, they wanted them there. And yeah. it was like, but you guys know I don't have a good time. You guys know that I have a really hard time being here. And that, and that honestly, you see a lot of ways that people are not kind or not even just kind to me, but like are actively rude to me. Yeah. That kind of thing, I don't enjoy that. Mm. Why do I have to come back here? Mm. And it was really hard for their family to actually accept hear that and that, accept yeah. that, whether or not they actually do or still are accepting that. Um, but still, they didn't go to the family function, and they came back, and they're like, I had a great Thanksgiving because I didn't go to my family function. And I'm so glad I actually made that decision. Yeah. I, that's a big deal. Yeah, I think boundaries are, especially in when it comes to interpersonal anxiety, right? Boundaries are so important because you have to protect the work and the mm -hmm. time that you're putting into yeah. yourself, right? Yeah. And so sometimes that can mean I'm not going to the family function. Sometimes that can mean I'm not gonna hang out with my friends today. Sometimes that can mean I'm not gonna hang out with anyone today. And so for a while, you know, it's okay to go off on your own and, and to, to spend time with yourself and, and to, to try to work through some of that stuff it becomes unhealthy when we do it all the time right yeah. just like with anything it's about the balance of the of the extremes yeah, the balance. and um so yeah i think that's a really good word because for lots of us everywhere family functions are the few times of the year that our hair just stands on end mm -hmm. and if that's if that's been a chronic case for you then just don't it's okay to take yeah. this year off or take every year off if you have to, but like yeah. take whatever time that you deem necessary to get right with yourself because, and that's another thing that Zach, my, my therapist tells me, he says the most important relationship in your life is the one to yourself because you have to live with you longer than anyone else does. Yeah. And if that isn't right, then the rest of it won't be right either. Um, so take that time. Yeah. Take, yeah, and uh, yeah, it t take that time, and I mean, before it happens, come up with with some things that you know are going to be good for you, mm. um, that that you can do to leave the situation, to separate yourself, to pull yourself away from what is so stressful, from what is going to give you anxiety or is already causing 
the anxiety and um, and break the loop. Uh, and so, uh, one of like one of my family members just claimed the other day, you know, that I'm just going to be hanging back and watching everybody and enjoying some wine. And so they already declared, I'm not going to participate because the participation is stressful for me. Yeah. And I just want to watch. Like yeah. I, I just want to be a part of it and I just want to be doing something I enjoy. Like the wine is going to be helpful for other ways, but also like, I just want to hang out with you guys and I don't want to participate. So I'm not going to, because I know if I do, it's going to, it's going to be a sensory overload. So yeah. I'm just going to hang out and I'm just going to observe. And they declared that long before that you know this holiday is happening because they needed to and and so whether or not you even follow through with said declaration it's helpful to even figure some of these things out beforehand so earlier we came up with a couple of different random things that you can just try out Um, but one of the things that was really important for me is to include information about or, or to include examples of you've got to you've got to change up the things that are going on with you with some more sensory things that are good for you. So sensory overload is you yeah. know whenever there's too much overwhelming uh, conversation, whenever there's too much uh, visual engagement, um, there's too many other things happening around you. But sensory shift is really important because so for example you're inside uh you know like like i said earlier you're probably wearing some kind of sweater especially if you live in south louisiana we do not know what the weather's going to be like yet on christmas eve but we all enjoy our very comfy sweaters i mean you know all of us love to wear pants well we all like to look good whenever Mm -hmm. it comes time for those christmas pictures um that everybody has whenever they get together for holidays okay so you're in the living room Everybody's in there. Uh, there's probably not a fire. You probably don't need one, but it's really hot and like no amount of AC is kicking in. <laughs> and you've maybe even been drinking, um, you know, or people have talked to you about the political views that you do not agree with. Um, maybe you're getting a little heated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe. You know, there's uh, maybe you've been struggling uh, like with your eating disorder. And so that's also something you're like, I'm trying really hard to detach myself from the kitchen area. I'm trying really hard to detach uh, myself from the people who are like, oh, you know what? Like calories don't count for the holiday. You can start in the new year. You're trying really hard to pull yourself away and just be very centered, but you can't. Your anxiety is just singing in your brain of nothing but anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So you might need to step outside and pay attention to what's going on out, out, like outside about you. Um, so you step outside. Maybe it's pouring down rain. Again, South Louisiana, weather's just unpredictable during the winter. And it just comes and goes, whatever it feels like. You know, some days you wake up with flip-flops and you have to wrap your pipes because that night's going to freeze. But you wake up and it is 80. So yeah. you go outside. You know, maybe it's raining. You can't really go very far, but what you can do is you can kind of just like slip your hand underneath the rain and just like mm. let it touch different parts of your arm. Um, you know, you could even like take your shoes off and put your feet uh, into the smushiness of the ground, whether it be wet or not. Uh, you could walk around the carport area. You can go and feel the different textures that are outside. Um, I mean, there's so much about nature that is quite literally very grounding because it is the ground. Yeah. But there's... It's about offering up the sensory shift and saying, okay, I have been overloaded with all these other senses, but they've all been happening at the same time. Mm. So I'm going to go and I'm going to offer myself a sensory shift to just one. So you go and you touch the bark of a tree. 
and you just focus on what it feels like underneath your fingertips and what that does is it pulls you away from all the other senses that are happening and it says i'm right here with just this piece of this bark of this tree and from there you can start to add a couple more things so that you can be more centered in that moment as well and so you can you know smell what tree am i at what plant am i at like what is it that i'm smelling yeah, what is it that right. i'm seeing you know uh, i'm not going to encourage you to take off a leaf and chew on it but like <laughs> that would be another sense um you know and so you could do that like maybe you have like a blackberry bush somewhere you have a blueberry bush like you can go and you can do that you could taste the bitterness so our our taste buds are the most grounded that we can be. Mm. And, uh, you know, supposedly it's working for me. I don't know if it's working for you, but even as you talk about your taste buds, your, uh, your sensory glands, um, and your sal, your salivary <laughs> glands. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, also start to, uh, start to be triggered and yeah. your body starts to salivate even more. Mm. Yeah. Like right now, both are like, <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> Um, so, but so that can be a pretty easy, quick shift for whenever you're experiencing anxiety during the holiday Mm. season, uh, whenever you're experiencing anxiety in general, that also works, but it's especially important that you try and you practice a couple of things, even if it's out of your norm and you're like, that was dumb. I'm not going to do that again. It's okay. If you did not appreciate it, what it did though, is it broke the loop and it pulled you away from what was too much, what was too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And it brought you back to your center. And then you can kind of gradually re-enter back into the sensory overload, but do it in a controlled manner. And so from there, yeah, on your own terms. Yeah. Yeah. On your own terms, you can walk around a little bit. You can look through the windows and you can see everything that's happening. And you can maybe identify a couple of people from there that you say, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to my such and such cousin, my aunt. I haven't seen any of the kids. Like you can look from the outside in and say, this is what's happening. I wasn't able to see that whenever I was in there because I was too overwhelmed and I was experiencing too much anxiety. Mm. So instead I'm going to go now and on my own terms, like you said, I'm going to walk inside and I'm going to go and sit with that person. I'm going to go in that corner and talk to this person. I'm going to go do these things. I'm going to go grab a plate of food because there are less people in the kitchen. I'm going to feel less consumed or overwhelmed or bothered, you know, like, so you can, you can figure out how am I going to re-enter this space with my family so I can be here or also come up with ways of like, okay, next year I need to have a time limit. You know, I need to have a time boundary of this is what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to stay here the whole time. So I'm going to come late and I'm going to tell people I'm not coming whenever it first starts. I'll come in the middle of it and I'll hang up for a little bit and then I'll leave. Yeah. Like you, you start to declare even for the future of like, what do I want to try out? What's going to be good for Mm. me? That's funny. You mentioned that. Um, because that reminds me of something that happened a lot when I was a kid, which would be, I would hang out with, you know, groups of teenagers at like at church or something. And I would often find myself sneaking away Mm. from the group. Um, and for a long, it, you know, I, did, I wasn't as up on my mental health as I was, or as I am now, right? Back then, I was just a dumb kid. So I thought me isolating was this, like, being this emo kid and, like, being antisocial yeah. and not wanting to hang out. But in reality... Well, and what, society told you. Th- exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I believed the, what they were telling me was mm-hmm. true about that. Yeah. But in reality, I, I now see in my adult life that those little moments were just periods of rest for me to get away from everyone yeah periods of rest you know what i'm saying it's like taking little mini breaks throughout the experience that helped me and and it was always outside and i which is to your point 
Um, it, it, for me, it was like looking at stars or hearing the wind blow through trees or looking at birds or, or something else that reminded me of what's actually happening in the present moment and uh, that it doesn't have to be this constant overwhelming overstimulation of yeah. constantly being on, so to speak, for the people around you. And so I think that's extremely healthy. Um, and if that's your, if you're that type of person, then take frequent breaks if that's what you have to do to get through something, because you never know what kind of um, stimulus, whether it be natural or otherwise, is going to help mm-hmm. recenter you and bring you back into that moment. Um, so that's extremely good. But I think that's a great way for us to transition into what do we do about our anxiety? Yeah. What what because we talk all day long about what it looks like and, and all the different ways that we can interpret it and that other people will interpret it, but what does that actually mean and how do we combat those times yeah. when our anxiety gets out of control? Because that's really kind of why we're here and what we want to talk about is this thing doesn't have to run your life. And if it has been up until this point, trust me, you're not alone. It ran mine for a long time. And it's a really hard thing to kind of like get your head around, but there are things and steps that you can take that will actually um, help you to realize your place in the relationship with your anxiety is yeah. you're the driver and you get to make the final call. And But it's only until you've learned a few things about you know all of that type of stuff that you can actually start making those statements and believing those statements. Um, so what do we do yeah. with our anxiety? Yeah, so I mean, so for one of the things that we definitely wanted to address was like finding help. Um, so Mm. therapy doesn't have to break the bank in order for it to be successful. Yes. Um, uh, which I have so much to say on that, but also like, because I'm part of the system, I also really struggle with that too. But uh, I tell people all the time, so listen, I mean, if you if you decide, okay, you know what, I think I need to see a therapist, a lot of people recommend this person, and you look online, and their fee is $140, yeah. $120, $100, 80 whatever. Don't let that deter you. Don't let that be the thing, oh, well, then everybody else is that same way too. Right, that's right. not the case. Um, some people can very comfortably pay $120, and like, wow, that's really cool. But a lot of people cannot, and so let's just be honest about where we are in our different financial situations. Um, uh, There aren't as many down here, but we also definitely want to uh, make sure that people understand no matter what kind of town you live in, no Mm. matter how small it is, you have resources. Um, And whether it be literally local or... uh, like or over the internet, you know, over like telehealth uh, as well. I but... do telehealth a lot, actually. Oh, with my okay. Therapist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, oh, that's huge. That's really cool. Um, a lot of people don't understand that there's so much more that you can access. Mm-hmm. Um, so for uh, in bigger cities, people uh, more people do sliding scale. Mm-hmm. Um, sliding scale is where. Uh, you go to the person, you talk to them about your budget and they say, okay, this is your budget. I'm going to meet you where your budget is. And this is how much I'm going to charge you. And now if that is too much, if things come up, you do need to still let me know because it's not good that we just end our sessions. You know, like I've had before, um, in Chicago, uh, where somebody was coming consistently for about a year and then they lost their job and they couldn't come anymore. But that didn't mean that they needed to stop coming because yeah, they couldn't afford it. They still it. needed therapy, They still right? needed therapy. And we had to be honest with each other about that. 
And I had to tell them, listen, you're still allowed to come here, but you do need to be the one to tell me I should be pulling this out of you. And I understand it's really hard. There's so much other stuff going on about whenever you lose a job, about being unworthy, about um, all this shame that is attached to that. Yeah. But you have to be the one that brings this up because I'm not you. I can't know right. what your budget right. is. Yeah, you your know, therapists I don't know what's in your need wallet. to know about your life. <clears throat> Because they are there to help yeah, you, right? Yeah. So, uh, so, so there's there's that piece of it. Um, finding help is definitely possible. Um, uh, let's go ahead and just break the stigma of like having medication. Um, yes. You know what? Yes. Like, listen, guys. If you feel like I have been doing the work, um, or I am so overwhelmed that doing the work is not helping, uh, even in the smallest bit take the medication, like go talk to somebody about it, go talk to a professional about it, take some medication. And from there start doing the work because the work is also good. The medication is also good and other forms of medicating is also acceptable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what I was going to say too, um, one of the things that my therapist has talked to me about, and I've talked to other people who have been in therapy about it. It's like, your therapist is there to help you, to give you tools to help you understand and work through your life. And sometimes those tools look like ways you can practice different forms of meditation and or breathing exercises. Sometimes those tools look like talking it out with your therapist. And sometimes those tools look like pills that you take sometimes. And there's no wrong answer to any of it. It's that it's all designed to help you be the best person that you can be. And so if, if you're on medication, that is to say there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It, it's a beautiful and wonderful tool that can help all of us become better versions of ourselves. And, and there might be a season where you use it and there might be a season where you don't, but regardless of how long it is, that doesn't make you any less of a person because you take a pill and this person doesn't, Mm -hmm. because there are also going to be things in other people's lives that you don't struggle with that they will. And, and so that is just the nature and the tapestry yeah. of humanity is that mm-hmm. we all have different holes that need help. Yeah. And, um, I, so yeah, I, I love what you said about destigmatizing medicine because for a lot of people, medicine, especially where we are in, mm-hmm. in the, in the dirty South of the United States, dirty South. mental health and medicine in general has always been seen like, Oh, only crazy people. Yeah you know, have to go to therapy and only crazy people have to take medicine for their mental health. Yeah. And that's really not true. I have a lot of sane people in therapy. Everybody yeah, is. exactly. I don't think that they're like, I don't think that it's fair that we say, oh, if you have these, this certain these set things, of you're under things that you deal with, now. then, then now you're a freak and, and we're not right. But cause that's totally not true at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so medicine yeah. can be a big, big, big thing. Also, you know, we briefly touched on alternative forms of medicine. Um, I'm very pro cannabis. I believe in the legalization of, of marijuana all across the nation because of not just because of, you know, oh, I want to be a pothead, but like be, because I've been able to see what it has done for people in areas where it has been legalized. Right. So there are countless stories of people with mental illness and also physical illness that can, mm-hmm. that cannabis can help yeah. deal with. And so if that's, if that's your bag, if that's your thing, then the only thing I recommend is kind of something you touched on earlier is that make sure that wherever you're getting 
it, it, yes, it is a reputable source. It is reputable and it is healthy for you. And it is in a good situation to where yeah. you're not putting yourself in imminent danger yeah. by having it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and, uh, uh, psychedelics are also really helpful mm, for people too. Yeah. Um, there have been a lot of studies whenever psychedelics first came out and then, and then they were, they were very severely demonized for, um, uh, about 30 years or so. And, uh, so the, it was only for, you know, the, the teens, for the people who just wanted to be totally detached, uh, from their situations. And I mean, that also is another form of like what cannabis can do. Sure. Uh, I mean, essentially any kind of, any kind of drug, whether it be, you know, approved by the FDA or not, um, is a thing that helps you detach from a moment long enough, however that length of time may be to become stable. Yes. So for, I mean, so for psychedelics, they la it lasts for a really long time. Like the trip itself, uh, can be quite lengthy. And, um, but from there, your mind also, uh, breaks down a bunch of barriers, uh, very immediately without having to consciously do it and offers you a lot more insight. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, all that to say, I mean, I've, I haven't done them myself, but the research is really interesting. Yeah. So I'm super interested to learn more about it, but do it again in a healthy way that that's essentially the, honestly, that's just the bottom line about most things is do whatever you can, um, like do all the good you can in the best way that you can, because it's like, okay, like this has to be good for you. Yeah, yeah. And so if it turns out to be good and then you overuse it and it turns out to be something that's not good for you, then it's no longer sure, good for you sure, in that sure. way. So you the know. way, the way that I've heard it described is like this, like drugs in general, whether they be prescribed by a doctor or, or, or otherwise are designed to like you said, temporarily alleviate symptoms mm -hmm. that you're experiencing yeah. so that you can get to a better, more stable place yeah. on the other side of it. The problem becomes when you want to escape all the time. Oh, yeah. Right? And not deal with reality. And so instead, you're trying to uh, circumvent your reality and make this your reality. And that's, that's the problem where you get into things like overuse and drug addiction and stuff like that. And so that is to say that... Um, I'm, we're not advocating for just the free, unfettered use of all drug products in the world. Yeah. What no, we we're what, what we're saying here is that responsibly taken, yeah, these things can help you learn to unlock different parts of your brain that can then move you forward. Yeah. In society and in your life, um, but you know, yeah. it's not just about. Uh, free, yeah. uh, drug use weekend. You know, it's not, it's, <laughs> no. you're, we're not going to Woodstock and like trying to touch yeah. God or anything like that. It's just, it's just this point of like, sometimes, um, different drugs can help you yeah. get rid of, alleviate those symptoms temporarily mm -hmm. long enough for you to see like, Oh, maybe I should be focusing on this or maybe the, you know, the, the real problem is X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah. And okay. So, and, and while we're also just like near the thing of, you know, taking down a stigma. Also, if you, if you are taking some kind of medication and it's not helpful, um, not taking that entirely and then never getting on a different one, um, isn't exactly the right answer either. Yeah. You know, like it, it's sometimes some medications don't work for uh, particular people at all. Mm -hmm. Even, and man, it sucks really badly whenever uh, you have people come to you and you say, man, this worked for me. I know it'll work for you. Um, one of the things I said earlier, though, was that, okay, your, um, 
your cure, the thing that helped you, your fix does not it, or is not validated by whether or not it works for me. Yeah. Um, and, and that is what's really important. And so if people are coming up to you and you're like, oh yeah, you know, I've suffered through anxiety and this is what got me through. I did all these things. It doesn't have to be, you have to go down that same path they did. Or if you do go down that same path, right. that it works right. for you or not works for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, you could have, you have a totally different experience. You're a totally different human being. And that's, what's really important. Um, yeah. As you pay be- attention to that, as you begin to like understand the nature of your own sort of healing and, and journey through mental health, it's important for you to trust the relationship to yourself first. Yeah. And cause there will be a lot of other voices, right? Everybody and their dog is going to have an opinion mm. on your, on your mental health and, and what you should do to get better. And some of it might work, but honestly, it's more about your discovery of who you are and what's working for you. And so, you know, you don't have to you don't have to justify anything to anyone. You don't owe anyone any explanations for why certain things are working for you and why certain things aren't. Yeah. And so that is to say, if you have someone in your life who's constantly berating you with, oh, you should try, you should do, blah, 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 it's okay for you to, to have a conversation with that person and say, hey, listen, I appreciate and respect mm-hmm. and love that you want to help me, but you have to understand that I'm not you mm-hmm. and that I'm very different in and you can even get into the detail, details. You don't owe anybody any, any of those explanations, but I'm just saying if you want to, you can say, you know, these are the reasons why maybe this isn't going to work for me or, or I've tried this and it's not the same thing for me yeah. as it was for you. Yeah. And so these are, you know, I respect your opinion here, but I'm going to go with what me and possibly my therapists are telling me yeah. <laughs> to do, yeah. you yeah. know, um, which is extremely, extremely important because um, mm-hmm. it can also give you sort of that confidence boost to realize that you're the final authority on your mental health and not anyone else or anything else, including your anxiety gets to tell you what to do at the end of the day. It's up to you. Um, so yeah. So, uh, so all that to say, I mean, don't, don't give up, you know, get creative, uh, you know, and, um, and, and figure things out. The, when, whenever you're in the depths of, anxiety and you cannot get out of it or it feels like you cannot get out of it i promise you can now it's very difficult and it doesn't mean that that road is not going to be incredibly rocky or it's going to have a bunch of pits that you're going to fall down in you probably will and just as all of us have at some point but you know things can only give you uh uh, so much help. You mm. have to be the one that yes. continues to crawl yes. out of the hole. You have to be the one that continues to walk the path. It is your journey. Mm-hmm. It's not the journey of all the voices in your head, all the people who have contributed to make you who you are. It's not their journey. Even though they've contributed to you, there's so much more about you. Yes. And you have to start giving your voice enough um of a microphone in order to be able to say you know i really do believe in you um and even as you have made these decisions what is it that has been good for you like really pay attention to that kind of stuff protect your pathway yes i believe that's um integral to growth in more than just areas where it comes to anxiety mm-hmm. and in and different things like that. I mean, no, being able to be autonomous in yourself and to say, you know what, I love myself and I care about myself enough to do the, the hard thing and to do the, the next right thing and to focus on these areas of my life that are giving me anxiety or these relationships that are giving me anxiety can also then, that, that can also bleed into other areas of your life where you're like, okay, now that I've 
learned how to take the power back from these situations. I'm going to take the yeah. power back here and here yeah. and here in my career and in my relationships yep. and everywhere else. And then you start to realize that radical defiance. Yeah, that you're yeah. that you've been the boss the whole time, oh, though, yeah. right? And so that's been sort of like um, <laughs> a big deal for me too, personally. Just with my own journey with mental health, has been like understanding that I have authority in my life that I didn't realize I had because all the voices in my life were the ones that I were giving all the power to, mm-hmm. and now. Yeah. Now that I'm trying to take some of that back, sure, it's uncomfortable and there's a lot of growing pains and people might not always understand, but you owe it to yourself to make those tough calls. Mm-hmm. And anybody who walks out on you because you made that call shouldn't have been there in the first place, in yeah. my opinion. If they're going to, if, if your relationship with someone is severed because you're now stepping into your own power and taking autonomy for yourself, then the, yeah. you don't need that type of person in your life anyway. Um, so that is to say... Brothers and sisters, friends, keep and going. keep going, keep be going, brave, man. yeah, and just make that hard decision if you have yeah. to. And if it's gonna rock your boat and it's gonna take people out of your life, then let them go. Yeah, and that's that's that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because your anxiety is a liar. <laughs> yes, it's just full of torment and mischief, and yeah. sometimes for no reason. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's just shutting out all those voices and saying and saying, you know what, these are all contributing to me in a negative way and they're really um, honing in on my fears and they're and they're really profiting off of that and that's not the way I want to live my life that's mm-hmm. not me I'm not going to do that and I'm instead going to go a different path and I'm going to you know finish that I'm not going to do it anymore yeah um, there's a there's a band that I follow um, called Prince Daddy and the Hyena and they're they're like a not really well-known punk rock band, but they're one of my favorite bands of all time. And, and one of the reasons is they just released an album. Um, and it's all about the, the, this guy's journey through his mental health and like his cycles with Mm -hmm. mania and depression and all that type of stuff. And one of the songs talks about how there's this like dark cloud that follows him and it, and it constantly tells him all my friends are on to me. Um, they see me Mm. slipping into obscurity, right? And it's like, I'm getting to know, and he's like the cloud, I'm getting to know this person really well, and he knows me too, right? And that's what I want to say is like, your anxiety knows you really well. Yes. And so when it lies to you, it's telling you those subtle lies that make Mm -hmm. you question every little thing, right? Because it's setting up this entire like domino effect to try to get you to do something. And um, so it it can be um, extremely extremely paralyzing because it's kind of like it's kind of like when you when you're walking down like in New Orleans or something and you you come across <laughs> one of those fortune tellers and the, what did everybody say who like who always stops oh they told me things about myself that only I could know blah 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 and, it, and it's because they're really good at in the moment extrapolating information from you without you realizing it right yeah. that's kind of the point and so your anxiety works the same way it's just constantly like your brain is constantly studying itself mm-hmm. and so then it's going to throw things out at you that are extremely challenging and they're most of the time going to be lies, but it's going to be hard sometimes to, to differentiate between those two. And so if that's you, if that's where you are, understand that that's okay and that's normal. And like your brain is, is the way it is and that's fine. But, um, in the moment, if you can say, 
anxiety is a liar. If you can just get that out, if yeah. that's all you can get out, then sometimes that can be just enough, like you said before, to break that cycle. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause for me, anxiety, I have an obsessive personality. And so when I get anxious about something, I just loop on something forever yeah. and ever and ever and ever yeah. until it drives me crazy. And so I need little bitty moments where I'm just <laughs> like, this is stupid. Anxiety is lying to me, blah, 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 blah. This is not true. And what it does is it just pauses that carousel of darkness long enough for me to get off and be like, wow, this is not, this is not even real. This doesn't even yeah. matter. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so one of the things that we talked about before was also like, you know, uh, writing down, stealing mantras, you know, that you find online, things that are yeah. going to be really good for you. Um, I, I wrote a couple of questions about like speak logic to your fear asking clarifying questions is going to be really important yes. for those loops. Um, you know, so, uh, in moments whenever you're like, man, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that what I just said came across correctly. Ask yourself, what did I just say? Or ask the person near you, Hey, whatever we had that conversation earlier, what did you hear me say? Um, that can be really important because it, what it does is it helps you hear your voice through another person's, uh, voice and from there you can say, okay, you know what? I actually don't think I like that I said that. And that doesn't mean that that's the end of the conversation. Um, you know, you can always go back and say, Hey, I said this earlier and according to you know my thoughts or the thoughts of this person, I didn't like how it came across. And so I'd really like to clarify that real quick. Mm. Um, uh, you know, why am I here right now? Answering some questions that help you in the moment of just, you know, why am I here with my friends? What's going on? Helps you to be a little bit more grounded, um, but also helps remind you uh, that you aren't unwanted because mm -hmm. you are there with your friends you are interacting with people and so it has nothing to do with your anxious thoughts it's just um or it has maybe i don't know not enough to do with your anxious thoughts it's that okay you know what i have to like speak truth to this and i've got to make sure that i really understand what's going on uh and then creating a worthy list is really really important yeah what is right with me. Um, and I say what is right with me with, uh, you know, with some kind of emphasis because it's not, okay, the other parts of you are wrong. It's like, what do I know about myself? Um, uh, because that is what is right. If you have that, if you own something, if you have this characteristic, that's your characteristic. It is neither right or wrong. It is yours to own. Um, now if it, if you don't like it, if you uh, are struggling with it, then what is it that you struggle with it? Because mm. maybe that isn't even yeah. your voice. Maybe that isn't something you actually do struggle with, but other people struggle with it. So it's, it's so complicated, but you know, actually putting into words, okay, what do I like about myself? What do I appreciate about myself? What do I know about myself? All those things are true and correct because yes. they are yes. of you. Um, and you are worthy. And I mean, that is even like, for me, that's, that's very spiritual. That's very deep. Um, you know, I mean, if you are created by the universe, um, uh, your birth is just your birth and, and it's not, uh, a mistake or right or wrong. It is just that like you are here. Yeah. That's uh, the whole complexity of, of human life itself is, uh, really interesting and quite literally a miracle. I mean, like you are one of millions of sperm that happened to connect with a certain egg that didn't drop at that one time and boom, now you're a human being. And then all these other things contribute to who you are. Yeah. So there's mm -hmm. nothing like, you know, inherently 
like, oh, mm. I was never meant to be born. You just, you're born. You're so here. you're here yeah. and let's just go ahead and start accepting what is the truth. I was born. I have these things about me. So therefore yeah. that is right mm. with me. Um, and so sometimes we've got to really reconcile some stuff, but knowing yourself is going to be what's really important. Knowing mm-hmm. yourself is good. It's really huge. So creating a worthy list, creating what you know about yourself, creating what you love about yourself, what you notice about, um, you know, how you interact with other people is really important. Um, and then practicing, uh, gratitude and practicing those senses are also going to be really important. Yeah. You know, I like tell, I said earlier I, about yeah. the hot chocolate. I tell my students all the time too especially those who are struggling, but I, I talk about it in my classes with them all the time. Like make a physical list of everything that you're grateful for in your life. Yeah. And it could be your Xbox and it could be your dog or it could be something big like your dad or your teachers or that one time you went to the park. Like it could yeah. be anything in the world, write down everything you can think of. And then whenever you're feeling uh, down, depressed, anxious, whatever it is, go back to that list and just slowly think of the memory that triggered that, that, that thing on the line, whatever that is, because those things are extremely, extremely helpful in times when things feel really dark and helpless is to understand that. And what, and what that's doing is reinforcing this idea that my anxiety, my depression, my whatever is a moment in time. Yeah. And there have been and will be other moments in time in my life where it's not present. Mm. And I have experienced goodness in the past and history dictates that I will experience it again. Yeah. Um, another I thing, that. another thing that I, I drive home with the students is that the reason why this list is important is because you have to look back at every time in your life where you thought it was just going to totally go 10 toes up and you were going to fail or die or whatever it was. And you didn't. And it turns out you've, you've come through every experience in your life up to this point with a hundred percent success rate. Mm-hmm. And so there's no reason why you shouldn't now. Yeah. And, but it's hard to say that when you're like, ah, freaking out, you know, what do we do now? Yeah. But being um, so good to young people. Well, just, (laughs) but like, but that's the point is like, I wish someone had told that to me when I was a kid because Mm. I was constantly stressed out about things that didn't even matter. And if I had had something like that, like a list that I could just physically touch and go back to and, and read it and have a memory for each thing on the line that would have helped break that loop long enough for me to go. Maybe what I'm stressed out about isn't so life or death or life defining Mm -hmm. it's just temporary yeah um but to speak to mantras is another thing too um a a few years ago when i was going through a breakup i i had a really bad obsessive streak over it because it didn't end the way i thought it should it didn't end the way i wanted it to and turns out uh that partner had lied to me and told me that they weren't leaving me for another person and then immediately did and so it really messed with me yeah. mentally and just kind of threw me for a loop. And so I was just going to say, if, if you struggle with finding mantras and things that you can repeat to yourself, uh, go to Psychology Today uh, because there's tons and tons and tons of free resources there for people just like us who struggle with things to say. And yes. so I literally downloaded like four pages of pictures of different oh, yeah. lines of mantra that mm-hmm. I would say to myself every single day because I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was going wow. to sleep every night with panic attacks. And, um, so I'd have to like walk myself through some of this stuff. And so it can, you know, I'll, I'll just read a couple of them to give you an example, but it's like, uh, one of them was my distress is a result of brain chemistry and I'm not crazy, just temporarily off balance. Mm -hmm. 
um, which was a huge thing for me because I hadn't up until that point experienced adulthood panic attacks. Yeah. I had no idea what that meant. I, 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 I had an idea in my head because I had heard of other people dealing with it, but personally I'd never gone through that. And so when I was dealing with major anxiety and like attacks from it, it would, it would make me feel like I was going insane. And I thought, man, I'm going to have to be committed yeah. because I'm, I'm an institutional problem yeah. now. And yeah. what it really is, is just like your brain trying to divert energy into your fight or flight reflex. And mm -hmm. so it mm -hmm. makes you feel a little crazy, but you're not crazy. You're just temporarily off balance. And yeah. another one of the mantras was, um, I'm not going to try to escape this situation. I'm just going to notice my physiology mm -hmm. and let it wane over time, which yeah. I think is another big important thing is that sometimes life is just going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to feel sad. You're going to feel angry, whatever it is. And it's important for you to not immediately try to yeah. run out of that situation. It's important for you to try to take notes mm -hmm. essentially of your own life and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? Is it justified? Is this rational? Blah, blah, blah. All that different type of stuff. Because what the weird thing about your life is, is like once you learn to accept that, okay, I am experiencing anxiety. Mm -hmm. I am experiencing depression. That actually helps you get through it quicker. Yeah. Because you because the more we try to not focus on something, we focus on it, right? Mm -hmm. So the minute yes. that we accept it, it kind of it's it's one of those things where you can just sort of let that go, which is a practice that I learned in meditation, mm -hmm. right? It's like in order to clear your mind, you're not supposed to tell yourself, "Okay, I can't think about anything else but the meditation," because then you're going to think about everything that comes across your way. And in meditation, it's not about meditating or being in a meditative state the whole time. It's yeah. about trying to have a glimpse of this moment where you have just you purely clear, right? Yes. And you're just purely present in the moment. And so trying to get there, what what my therapist and what the meditation guide um, that I use, I use um, Headspace, which is a yes. great app. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the, the, the guide there talks about how there will be thoughts that, that come through your brain. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is to just treat them like passersby. You allow them in and you allow them out yeah. and you don't, make any fuss about them because the minute that you do you you will attach yeah, yeah. then yeah then it's no longer a passerby then yeah. it's staying a little bit longer exactly so yeah. make a list of things that you're grateful for get those mantras out practice meditation whatever it takes for you and and then get the get the real mm -hmm. help that you need if you if you feel like you need professional help there's no stigma there there's no judgment there go find someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. I promise you there's somebody in your price range. There is, there are even free resources in the, even the small towns that we live in yeah. for people who, who absolutely can't afford it. But it, but that is to say, if you can afford full price, I firmly believe that you should. And, and here's the reason why. <laughs> um, I'm not just advocating because my best friend is a therapist, although I, I, I am a little biased, I will admit, but I think if you can afford therapy at full price, you should, because a lot of places, a lot, a lot, a lot of therapists use a sliding scale. And the way that they balance it out is the people who can pay full price end up covering for the cost of the people who can't. Yeah, and I so, that. Yeah. And so for, oh, for a lot of people, what you, that, could be, that could be an act of love that you give into the world is, yeah. I can pay full price for therapy, which means I can pay for me and for someone else to go to therapy, which is such a beautiful way to look at it. And it's how Zach described it to me when, when we first started our therapy relationship, because I don't make a lot of money. And so like, yeah. I don't, I can't afford a lot of therapy, but he says it's okay because I have people who come yeah. who can afford yeah. the, the, yeah, the full the price therapy. Yeah. And so if that's you, then go ahead and, and 
give your support because you know it's going to immediately go back and to have an impact on mm -hmm. somebody's life directly. But if you're struggling, understand too that we are a community of people, that therapy isn't just about your relationship with a therapist. It's about the relationship that everyone has with that therapist mm -hmm. and that in, in some small way we can, we can help you and we can contribute yeah. to your success and we want you to be successful. And so don't let something like money or something like, you know, whatever time constraints that you might have hold you back because mm -hmm. there are resources available yeah, for so every schedule, yeah. for every budget, for everybody and everybody, I believe everybody should go to therapy at some point in their life. I love all this advocating. Um, so yeah, yeah th that's just I mean, a long I, way of saying too. Yeah, go to go therapy, for it. go do it. Like <laughs> stop talking about it. Don't tweet about it anymore. Like don't, don't, don't reshare your, your sappy mental health Facebook post until you actually go do it. I'm, I'm not saying that you can't do those things. I encourage those things. If you, if that helps you express in a way that, that helps you cope, that's great. But the real healing comes from doing the work one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, with work. yourself and maybe yeah. with a professional if that's for you. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, anxiety doesn't have to run your life. No, no, it doesn't. And no, it, 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 it really doesn't. And it doesn't matter how successful you are, how healthy you are. It is going to touch your life at some point. Sure. And th y'all, that's just really important to pay attention to. I mean, and, and, uh, I told, uh, Will earlier, one of the jokes about, you know, being a psychology major is you know, just look at your notes. Don't be depressed, <laughs> yeah. man. I mean, it, it, it literally touches everybody at some point in their life. And I, even if you follow, you know, certain, um, uh, like meditation, uh, gurus and Buddhist leaders, they also talk about how hard it was for them initially to join this kind of meditative state or the reason why they decided to go into, you know, the life of a monk mm -hmm, or, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. going into this is because they didn't like what was happening within their family dynamics, what's within their family structure. And they had to leave and they had to find some kind of peace of mind. And from there they share that peace of mind. But at some point, I mean, like even people who have these really strong connections with their whole mindfulness set, yes. they still also at some point struggle. Right. That's huge. That's so huge. Yeah. So it's okay. Yeah. So it's okay. We all freak out. We're all going to freak out. Yeah. It's just how it works. Yeah. But there are things that you can do. There are tools you can use to help it suck a little bit less. And that's kind of the point is like, your healing, your your walk with mental health isn't about an overnight fix or never feeling negative emotions again. I don't even like really calling them negative emotions because because yeah. I I hope to change the relationship that I have with with certain emotions. With but emotions. Like, but but it's not about never feeling those those certain set of emotions again. It's it's more about learning how to reduce the mm -hmm. time that you have with them. And or 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 to, I should rather say to have a better relationship with those emotions, right? Because sometimes you you should experience anxiety when you're when you when it is a life or death situation, yeah. and when you do need to fight or flight, that is extremely beneficial and helpful. But to get it in under the right, mm -hmm. you know, sort of way is um, can be extremely difficult and confusing. Yeah. And so um, we're here with you. Yeah. And we struggle all the time. And, I, you know, I have anxiety about everything all the time, pretty much every day. And yeah. and so that is to say that um, if you 
if you are struggling, then share, share with us if you want. Um, talk about your experiences with anxiety. Talk about um, all the different ways that you cope because of all the things that we've talked about here, this is not by any means an exhaustive list of help that you can find. There are so many different ways that people cope with their, with their uh, anxiety. And so if you have something that's helped you, then let us know because we are constantly looking for yeah. new ways to, yes. to do that too. So yeah. um, thank you so much yeah. for being here. Uh, and uh, we are uh, steadily working on more content for you. We will uh, let you know when we're, whenever we're going to release a new episode. Yeah. But um, to all my anxious warriors out there, stay strong. Write down your, your list, get your mantras ready, and yeah. please, please, please go talk to someone. You yeah. have no idea the type of impact that could have in your life. So I love it. Yeah. Do it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.